You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let's now proceed to the ministry of the Word. Turn first then to Numbers chapter 27. And read the verses 12 to 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go up this mountain in the Abiram range, and see the land I have given the Israelites. After you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. For when the community rebelled at the waters in the desert of Zin, both of you disobeyed my command to honor me as holy before their eyes. These were the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the desert of Zin. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly, and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority, so the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eliezer the priest, who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out, and at his command, they will come in. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eliezer the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him, as the Lord instructed through Moses. Now we turn to Zechariah chapter 3, where we read about another Joshua, Joshua the high priest. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan, The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. Then I said, Put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. Listen, O high priest Joshua, and your associates seated before you who are men symbolic of things to come. I am going to bring my servant the branch. See, the stone I have set in front of Joshua. There are seven eyes on that one stone, and I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord Almighty, and I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. In that day, each of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and fig tree, declares the Lord Almighty. Before we turn to Colossians 1, let's turn for a moment to the beginning of the Gospels, Matthew chapter 1, where we read about the birth 
of Jesus. Also appropriate as we look towards Christmas Day tomorrow. Chapter 1, and we'll begin reading at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Finally, we turn to Paul's letter to the Colossians. We begin reading at Colossians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great assurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And we continue reading chapter 2, verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. This afternoon, you as a congregation come to Lord's Day 11 of the Heidelberg Catechism, which heads the section entitled, God the Son and Our Redemption. Here we confess in Lord's Day 11, 
Why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, Savior? Because He saves us from all our sins and because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. Do those who seek their salvation or well-being in saints in themselves or anywhere else also believe in the only Savior, Jesus? No. Though they boast of Him in words, they in fact deny the only Savior, Jesus. One of two things must be true. Either Jesus is not a complete Savior, or those who by true faith accept this Savior must find in Him all that is necessary for their salvation. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, what does it mean that Jesus is your Savior? Someone might say, well, that's quite simple. Means That name means that He's saved me from all my sins. Even the children know that that's what the name Jesus means. It's the most, I mean, it's the most basic message of the Bible, isn't it? It's a nutshell of the Christian faith. Jesus saves. It's a gospel written on a dime. Jesus is the Savior of sinners. What we confess here, perhaps we think, states the obvious. It says something we already know. Of course, Jesus means Savior. Of course, Jesus is the only Savior. But brothers and sisters, when Lord's Day 11 was written during the time of the Reformation, there's so much needed to be heard because the longest time especially over the course of the Middle Ages, Jesus was portrayed and viewed as an angry judge. The only way to get at Jesus, the only way to get His attention or to have any hope with Him was to speak to the saints, pray to the saints, to Mary, First, Mary or one of the other saints would have to calm Jesus' anger before anything could get through to Him. Of course, as a consequence of this, people were being robbed of the comfort of the Gospel. The very core of the Gospel was at stake. This needed to be heard then what we confess here in Lord's Day 11. It needed to be heard. That Jesus is an angry judge who doesn't really want to save people, who has to be coerced into saving people. What a grave insult to our Savior. And how far from what is revealed in the Gospel. Okay, that was during the Reformation. What about now? Well, don't we have to acknowledge, brothers and sisters, that we too are prone to look elsewhere for our salvation and help, for our well-being. We too often think of Jesus as if He won't even look at us because of our sins. 
We're so full of shame that we, we don't even want to speak to Him in prayer. Or we just don't think that we need a Savior. Things are going great in life. I can do just fine without Jesus. Of course, we wouldn't say that. But how often don't our lives, our hearts, bear that out? These attitudes too, of course, brothers and sisters, insult Jesus. So, it's good for us to look at Lord's Day 11. It's good for us to continue confessing Lord's Day 11. Because here we're brought back to the basics of the Gospel again. Basics of the Gospel. Jesus saves. There is no other Savior. And I need Him. Lord's Day 11 is all about Jesus. And He's called Jesus, Lord's Day 11 says, because He saves us from all our sins. That was what Gabriel told Mary. You are to name Him Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins as we read in Matthew 1. Jesus. That's the New Testament version of the Old Testament name. Do you probably know the Old Testament name? Joshua. And we know two men in the Old Testament by that name, Joshua. Joshua, the son of Nun, who led God's people out of the wilderness. And Joshua, the high priest. Joshua, the son of Nun, was a savior for God's people in a way of speaking. He led God's people out of their desert wanderings. And Joshua the high priest, he also was a sort of savior. He delivered God's people from the exile in Babylon. Their names were appropriate to their actions. What does the name Joshua mean? Exactly the same thing. The Lord saves. Or Yahweh saves. But of course, these men were incomplete saviors, weren't they? They had to rescue, save, and deliver God's people. But neither of them could save God's people from their sins. In fact, isn't it striking what we read in Zechariah 3, how Joshua the high priest, the so-called holiest man among God's people, was dirty. He needed to be given clean clothes. He needed, to, he needed to be forgiven himself. The high priest, he needed to be forgiven. Joshua, the son of Nun, was a very courageous man, a very courageous leader and savior. And Joshua, the high priest, was instrumental in God's hand in delivering God's people. But a better Savior was needed. A better Savior was needed not just for Israel, but also for us. God sent Jesus because there was no, no one else. 
There was no other man able to save God's people from their sin. This is something that most people tend to forget or ignore or simply don't realize when they celebrate Christmas. According to many, we don't need a Savior. We don't need someone to save us from our sins. If you'd ask people, what is it that we need in our world, in our society today? They might say, all we need, we need more education or better education. Or we need better environmental policies. They might say, we need to address the problem of housing and poverty. That's what we need to do. Or we need to give more attention to equal rights and world peace. And who would deny that many of these things are true? Worthy causes. And yet, brothers and sisters, what we need most and what the world needs most is salvation from sin. What we need most is the Savior, Jesus. Any solutions that don't reckon with this fall short and only treat the symptoms. That's why it's so important to understand what Jesus' name means. Otherwise, our our faith is superficial and shallow. Jesus was given this name not just because it had a nice ring to it, not just because it was original. Jesus' name represented His calling. Jesus' name was His whole vocation. His whole ministry on earth was summed up in that one word. Jesus, the Lord saves. The name Jesus tells us why God had to become man. And why Jesus needed to come into the world born as a baby. The name Jesus tells us why He had to suffer and why He had to die. The name Jesus tells us why we must believe in Him lest we perish eternally. Remember what Peter said as he was being dragged before the Sanhedrin. In Acts 4, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. This name is a matter of life and death. You either believe in it and you are saved, or you do not believe in the name of Jesus and you are eternally lost. That's how important this name is. And that's why, brothers and sisters, it's so sad when, when people, even Christians, will talk a lot about Jesus Jesus this, Jesus that. But they never want to talk about sin. 
And that's a serious sin against the third commandment. Taking Jesus' name in vain. Talking a lot about Him. But not realizing what His name means. Yes, it's sad when people such as the Roman Catholics pray to saints as if Jesus needs some convincing from creatures before He'll save us. As as if His name doesn't mean anything. As if His name is just hot air. This is something that we should keep in mind in our conversations with other Christians. With other Christians who very liberally use the name Jesus, but avoid at all costs to talk about sin and condemnation. Or Christians who are afraid of Jesus and who will only approach Him through saints. Something we need to tell the world this time of the year. When all, there's all this talk about Jesus and Christmas. And that is to tell people why Jesus was born. And why we're so happy that He was born because He came to save us from our sins. Of course, We shouldn't just be looking around and thinking about how this applies to everyone else around us, to other Christians, and to the world. We also need to remember what this means for us. What it means, brothers and sisters, is that we can't act as if salvation is is something only for others. Or to think, well, actually, I'm too bad. Many Christians struggle with this. Many Christians don't feel saved. Sadly, there are churches, there are even churches which bear the the name Reformed who teach that you're only saved if you feel saved. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't just want us to feel saved. He wants us to know that we're saved. He wants us to believe Him. He wants us to respond to His promises made to us in baptism. He wants to, He wants us to believe His name. He wants us to believe that Jesus means, that He means the Lord saves, that He is salvation. He wants us to say, yes, I believe I'm saved, not because I always feel saved, because I don't. No, I believe I'm saved because You have promised to save me even though I don't deserve it. I believe I am saved because I believe Your name is what it means. And that You are who You say You are, Jesus. Brothers and sisters, if you look for assurance from your own feelings, from your own experiences, you're no longer seeking salvation in Jesus alone. Take Jesus at His Word. 
Take Jesus at His name. Well, Jesus doesn't only save us from our sins, He also fills us with His blessings. That's why it's it's so uh, appropriate. The Catechism, the Apostles' Creed is arranged this way. The Catechism, Lord's Days 9 and 10, we've just confessed, I believe in God the Father Almighty. We confess how God cares for us. We confess God's providence. How we can trust in Him to provide for all our needs. How everything comes from His fatherly hand. You see, that's exactly what Jesus' name is all about. In fact, look look, look at the question, question 30, brothers and sisters. Do those who seek their salvation or well-being, it's almost as if salvation and well-being are placed side by side as one and the same thing. Salvation. Our salvation is our well-being in body and soul. So Jesus not only saves us from something, He also saves us for something. Jesus not only saves us from sin, but He also saves us for eternal life in His kingdom. And that's why we speak of, of our salvation also as our well-being. Jesus saves us and He also fills us. Joshua rescued God's people Israel from their desert wanderings also for their well-being. He not only, remember, Joshua not only brought the Israelites out of the desert, he also brought them in to the promised land. Also Joshua the high priest. He not only brought God's people, he not only led God's people out of captivity in Babylon, he also brought them back into the promised land. Names Joshua and Jesus mean the Lord saves. Yahweh saves. And what does Lord mean? Well, it not only means that the Lord is merciful and that, and that He forgives sins, Yahweh also means that God is gracious, that He is abounding in love and faithfulness, and that He showers His children with His blessings. Remember those beautiful words in, in Psalm 103. Psalm 103, where it talks about the Lord. Praise the Lord, Yahweh, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He forgives our sins. Redeems our lives. And crowns us. 
He saves us and He satisfies us. That's what the name Jesus means. Just as we read too in in Colossians chapter 1. We read there, the Apostle Paul speaks about in, in verses 13 and 14, for He has rescued us from or out of the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Again, saves us and He fills us. He takes us out of captivity and brings us into His kingdom. He brings us out of the captivity of sin and the devil and brings us into the glorious freedom of the sons of God. Remember how the form for the celebration of the Lord's Supper puts it. Christ has not only taken our curse upon Himself, but He also fills us with His blessing. Beautiful picture of how Jesus is our Savior. And then also what Paul says in Colossians 2, verse 10, you have been given fullness in Christ. You've been given fullness in Christ. In other words, what that means, brothers and sisters, what that means, young people, children, elderly people, what that means for you, people of God, is that you have everything in Jesus. Everything. Everything you could need. You have everything in Jesus and you have everything from Jesus. Oh, we need to hear this, don't we, brothers and sisters? We need to hear it. All around us, even during the Christmas season, it's everything but Jesus. And let's admit it. We're human and we fall into that too. So easily we forget about Jesus. Oh yes, Jesus is the topic of many songs on the radio. But when Jesus' name is severed from His mission, when Jesus' name is separated from its meaning, then all the festivity of Christmas, all the exchanging of gifts, all the good cheer and the Christmas parties, all the songs and celebrations are meaningless. Oh, how we need to remember it's everything in Jesus. I have everything in Jesus. Surely it is not surprising, is it, brothers and sisters, that there is this movement to remove Jesus from the season. Seems entirely natural in a way, doesn't it? Or at least it's honest. Because either it's everything in Jesus or it's everything but Jesus. There are only two options. Which option have you chosen, brothers and sisters? How is it in your life? You say, I have everything in Jesus. 
Or do you say, I need everything but Jesus. Paul says in Colossians 2 that we have our fullness in Christ. We've been given fullness in Christ. That fullness is not is not only spiritual fullness, it's also physical fullness, emotional fullness, material fullness. Jesus is the one who provides for all our needs. He is the one through whom all things have been created. And Paul says elsewhere in Colossians that in Him all things hold together. In Jesus all things hold together. He makes us complete. It's like Peter says in 2 Peter 1, verse 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. We have no life without Jesus. And in Jesus, we have life to its fullest. Yes, brothers and sisters, we often turn to ourselves when it comes to our well-being. We think that it's our own hard work that has to ensure that, that we're in good shape. It's our business savvy. It's our studying that's going to ensure our success. Our lives are in our hands and we have to make things happen. I've got to do it. When we start thinking that way, then we we have to go back to the basics. We have to remember who Jesus is. We have to remember what His name means. Don't look for your salvation anywhere else, brothers and sisters. Jesus saves. When you confess that, when you believe that, you may know that you are saved. Even if you don't feel it, He's told you so. That's what He's all about. He has built His reputation on that fact. And place your whole life in Jesus' hands. Place your well-being, your success in Jesus' hand. Will He who sacrificed Himself, will He not give you all things? Will He who was crowned with thorns for you, will He not crown you with His love? Will He who has satisfied God's wrath, will He not satisfy you? Will He not satisfy all your desires?
And has He not promised you His kingdom? This is Jesus. This is our Savior. Savior of sinners. Believe in Him. Let us pray. Our souls are restless until they rest in You, O God. You have made us for Yourself and we are Yours. We are the sheep of Your pasture, a flock under Your care. We believe in Jesus, Your Son. We find our rest in Him. In Him, we have complete forgiveness of all our sins. And we seek no other Savior besides Him. Yes, Father, we believe that in Jesus, we have everything. Everything that we need for body and soul. Forgive our unbelief, Lord. Forgive our forgetfulness. Forgive those times when we have lived as if we needed everything but Jesus. Help us to place all our trust in Him. And we pray for those who are so desperately seeking salvation elsewhere and things and substances, and other people, and wealth, and success in their own strivings. Deliver them, O Lord. Save them. We lift up Your name, Jesus. We trust in You. All that we need in body and soul, both in life and in death. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.